welcome to Ghostwriters Anonymous, an inspirational and interactive podcast where we create worlds through words and writing. I'm Kelsey, and today I'd like to know if you were a prank, what prank would you be? I would be sugar in the salt shakers. Today I'm going to be sharing a scene that I wrote for something that I hope is going to be a much larger work. I currently have a draft of 25 pages, but I'd like to share some of my more fleshed out scenes as I'm writing them. And as always, if there's something that you've written or you have any sort of constructive criticism, feel free to email us at gwritersanon at gmail.com. I'm very excited to share this. I have no idea how long it's going to take to finish. And I've been thinking about this storyline for a while, and it's based on a dream that I had. And I think I've mentioned it a few times in passing on this podcast. I really don't have a title for it right now. I titled the episode Death and the Mrs. because that's what I've titled this scene. So I don't know if that's going to be a future chapter heading or what, but what I've been doing is writing scenes that come to mind, and I've been quilting them together, which is probably an unconventional way of writing, but it's just the way that I do it. This scene is my centerpiece, and I've been working out from here. A cacophony of heartbeats drummed through Valak's ears as he stepped into the room. The walls were lined floor to ceiling with glass viewing boxes. Each box encased an individual heart, beating at its own pace. On the contrary to maddening, Valak found the arrhythmic sounds soothing. The beats melded into one song that reminded him of a clock shop. Mrs. Death stood beside her husband, who was seated at the hearth. A fire blazed through the intimate space, giving Death's unhooded skull the illusion of life and warmth. A hairless cat lazed on his lap, nestled comfortably within the folds of his cloak. His skeletal hand idly caressed the cat in long, lingering strokes. Valak wondered if they hungered for the familiarity of skin on principle. Mrs. Death's impressive frame loomed over the pair, casting a giant shadow on the wall that bent across the low ceiling. The firelight gilded her deep black skin and drew out a richness that reminded Valak of steaming coffee beneath the high noon sun. The scene was a living, obscure family portrait that belonged above a haunted house's mantelpiece. Pops and hisses from the fire broke the spell, and Valak realized he'd been wool-gathering for a few beats too long. He brushed back his shock of wheat hair with a calloused palm. It was difficult to read emotion on a skull, but he imagined Death looked on, expectantly. It may have been a trick of the light, but Death's sockets weren't the humorless black voids he was expecting. They appeared to have soft, low-burning flames within. Valak's strong voice molested the Sabbath of the space. I have come for my heart. The words were low and even, but they crowded the room's quiet contemplation. He clipped his speech to recover from the jarring moment. The deaths sat, undisturbed. Valak clasped his hands behind his back and bowed his head, hair rushing to meet his chin. He hoped it would cue them to pick up the loose thread. The silence stretched on, though, with nothing to fill it but thumping from the walls. What more was there to say? He pivoted on the ball of one foot and sought an audience with the hearts. His boots echoed in the chamber to join in their music. There were so many of them. How would he know what to look for? He pushed aside the feeling of the death's gaze at his back with a sweep of his dull green cloak and focused on the search. No two hearts were the same. They varied in size, shade, rhythm, and state of repair. He closed his amber eyes to differentiate their individual music. There were no titles or summaries of previous owners to guide him. The hearts kept their secrets close to the breast, so to speak, leaving him to wonder what histories they held. 
His attention was drawn to one particular specimen with cracks and fissures that had been beautifully filled in with gold. It looked like a branched lightning strike. Did the repairs compromise its ability to pump life force through a body? He paused at the glass. Its thunderous beat sounded strong and steady. What sort of injury would enable it to rip at the seams? It was a puzzling thing, but he moved on from it, admiring the surrounding inventory. A blackened heart beat powerfully at the corner of the wall. Smoke billowed from the aorta. Was it under enchantment, or was it a reflection of the previous owner? Were such things reversible? Valak kept his questions to himself and moved on. A few paces away was a heart that reminded him of a bubble, fluid and translucent. Its chambers were a veritable collection of underwater caves, tunneled by a flowing current. Could this be the heart of a mermaid? Possibilities seemed endless in this modest room. A stone heart plunked like a pebble falling through water. A cratered heart echoed distantly, moonbeams piercing through ventricles. There were hearts in full bloom with dazzling flora, whispering slow, quiet beats from a tranquil garden. Hearts cobbled and bricked like retaining walls held crevices that hinted at hidden passageways. There were webbed-winged hearts and feathered hearts, even rusted over and bleeding hearts. A diamond-like prism cast dazzling splashes of color across its viewing box. It was hypnotic. He stood for a moment, admiring the dance of colors. One heart looked the part of a timepiece. Cogs wheeled and valves opened and closed like doors on oiled hinges. Another heart was molten silver. Its beat was the slow rippling of thick cake batter layering into a cook pan. There were perfectly ordinary hearts, too, but nothing near as captivating as the gold-streaked one. Even from across the room, Valak could distinguish its beat amongst the others. He wondered if there were more rooms like this one. Surely there would have to be. His mind was made up, though. He strode to the thunderous beat that first drew his attention. This one, he said. Mrs. Death smiled inwardly, casting her eyes to the floor. Her husband turned his attention to the fire, while his wife made her way to the viewing boxes, sucking in her lips. Her footsteps were a whisper across the floor. This was surprising, given her stature. Her gown was a drape of shadow gathered at one shoulder by a skull and crossbones clasp. She halted beside Valak, gazing at the viewing box. Its soft glow bathed her face in white light. Valak was dwarfed by her height, and he wondered if giants ran in her bloodline. A warrior's heart, she said, admiring the piece. It's an older, well-lived part of our collection. As you can see, we've taken liberty of several repairs. My husband is an excellent craftsman. It really is a beautiful piece. Valak gazed over his shoulder to acknowledge her husband's commendation, but he put his question to her. Ah, but what is beauty when it lies beneath thy breast? Mrs. Death chewed on her smile. You have much to learn on the business of hearts, Mr. Valjean. She regarded him with curiosity, her eyes two pinpricks of black swimming in pools of white. Pray tell, why is it that you desire one? The question took him aback, though the answer was something he pondered for as long as he could remember. The words rushed out in an exhale. I wish to live. She studied him a moment and turned back to the heart hands clasped behind her. Immortals wishing for a mortal life is no new thing, just as mortals longing for immortality is no uncommon daydream. She swung to face him. But that is all it is, a daydream. No one has ever pursued it in earnest. Meeting her challenge, he plainly stated, then let me be the first. She released a smile and laughed completely, dipping her eyes for a breath. I'm not barring you from your dream, Mr. Valjean. We are in the business of leasing hearts. It would be our pleasure to provide you with life. I only speak as a cautionary tale. 
The grass isn't always greener on the other side. What's done cannot be undone. My husband does not yet know you, but he will come to know you, as he knows all mortal life. Is this truly what you want? Valak rebutted, not unkindly. And what would you know of it, Mrs. Death? Her expansive smile was a stark contrast against her skin. Only this, Mr. Valjean, may you serve this one well. She pulled a skeleton key by a delicate silver chain around her waist and freed the heart from its viewing box. Seeing it animated within her two palms stole his breath. She awarded Valak a knowing look and directed him to the hearth. My husband is ready for you. A narrow desk appeared before death, topped with a weighing scale. He lay an obsidian stone on one plate, sinking the scale to one side. Valak loosed a coin purse from his wide leather belt and placed it on the neighboring plate. The scale wavered to level. Valak fished out three more coins to sink his plate just a tick more. Death's firelit sockets dimmed. He removed one coin and slid it back across the desk. It's yours, Valak assured him. Payment for my gratitude. Mrs. Death peeled a shadow from the wall and wrapped it around Valak's heart. Please, take your coin, Mr. Valjean. My husband is indebted to no one. Harried, Valak returned the coin to his person. The scale and desk vanished in a blink. Death rose from his chair, plopping the cat on the ground. He advanced to the door, Mrs. Death following in his wake. Come with me, Mr. Valjean, she invited. The heart was bundled in the crook of her arm like a sleeping babe. Death swept a night-black coat over his wife. She leaned back to peck a kiss on his teeth. Valak wondered if Death enjoyed someone looming over him for once. But before he could loan the thought much merit, he was swept out into the night. Valak, as I've mentioned before, is a character that I have wanted to birth into this world for a while now, and I just didn't know what his story was. I found some really cool playlists that have inspired me, not necessarily for this scene, but just as a whole in my progression for this longer work. One of them is from the Gladiator soundtrack called Now We Are Free. I love that song. I will just listen to it on repeat. Another one is a series of albums by Adrian Berengor. If he has lyrics in his songs, I haven't yet come across them, but it's really beautiful instrumental music. It's peaceful but driving, and it has really helped keep me on track. Sometimes when I need to step aside and take a break, I like to turn on music to keep the juices flowing, and then sometimes I'll continue the music while I'm writing. I'm always vastly curious what other people listen to when they build a scene. So far, one of the most difficult things that I've been asked is, what's your story about? And I'm not really sure how to answer that yet because while I have these scenes in mind, I don't necessarily have the plotline fleshed out. I just wrote a scene the other night. I'll share it later, but I have two characters playing Nine Pin. I couldn't remember the name at the time, but I'm like, what's that fairy tale where these fairies are playing Nine Pin? Well, it's not fairies, it's dwarves, and it's Rip Van Winkle by Washington Irving. I hadn't read that book since I was probably in second grade, and even then it was a children's or abridged version. So when I went back and reread the actual text, I was taken aback because... While I wouldn't say my story is like Rip Van Winkle, there were some very interesting parallels. In Rip Van Winkle, Rip falls asleep for 20 years after he plays nine pin with the dwarves and drinks their beer or whatever alcohol they had. And in my story, Valak is entombed in a tree for 20 years. In Rip Van Winkle, Rip has a dog named Wolf. In my story, I have a character called the Wolf of Ware. 
So as I'm reading the story, I'm thinking, wow, that's so weird. Was this just an idea that surfaced from that long ago? Or is it really coincidence? The only thing that I directly pulled from Rip Van Winkle was the idea of characters playing nine pin. But it's not dwarves and it's not the same circumstances. It's a heavily laden dialogue scene, which I have also shared before is not my forte, but I've been practicing it and I just wanted to share that flame. Hopefully you guys can carry it on and uh, apply it to your own work. We'll catch you next week. It beat with the slow rippling of thick cake bladder. <laughs> cake bladder.